going to get straight now into uh, our new preach. And we're picking up again our series One New Family. But um, since September, we've been looking really at what it is to be this amazing family of God through Jesus. And also in the midst of that, readying ourselves for what we believe God has said is going to pour revival out on our town and on our nation. And we believe that we're part of that. And Ephesians um, was the letter that we were using before Easter. In fact, from September right the way through, we've been looking at this amazing letter. And we finished that just before Easter. Over these next weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the key biblical virtues that shape us as this amazing family on a mission together. And um, we trust it will also fuel the fire of revival that the Holy Spirit is stoking in us so that we will, I'm praying that we will see thousands saved, that we will see our nation transformed with the gospel of Jesus. And so this morning, I'm actually kicking things off by talking about the power of forgiveness. And in fact, I don't know how it's already come out. Maybe I do because um, I know that um, the Holy Spirit always puts these things together. But I'm going to be looking at some key verses that help us as a church family to live in this atmosphere of forgiveness. And we're going to do that by looking at a man called Joseph. He knew a thing or two about needing to forgive. And so we're going to read that together. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Genesis 45, first of all. The word should be up on the screen as well. I'm going to read this fairly quickly. Let me encourage you to also read this in your own time because there's so much that we read about the life of Joseph. Genesis 45 is the first book of the Bible. Chapter 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you, 
your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honour accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother, Benjamin, and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Wow. That's one of the most beautiful reconciliations in the whole of Scripture. What a beautiful thing. And then just going to chapter 50. And we're going to pick up at verse 15, just a few verses. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We're your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. Wow. How we handle bad things that happen to us doesn't just affect us, it impacts those around us. In fact, it has the potential to affect, or may I even say this, infect society all around us. And it can impact even communities like whole churches. And it's always a tragedy to see someone's life put on hold, maybe ruined or held in captivity by something that has happened and from which they cannot move forward because they cannot forgive what has happened to them. Maybe some of you here this morning find yourself in that place. And I want to say right at the outset, the reason I'm speaking this message and why it's one of the most powerful things to be a characteristic of the family of God is that there is a place of freedom for you this morning. There is a place where the past can be past. And there's a place where the future can be embraced now and in the present you can know freedom. That is the truth. That is what this is all about. You know, Joseph 
could have let what happened to him destroy his life. In many ways, Joseph is one of the most sinned against and unjustly treated individuals in the whole of the Bible. If you don't know the story, there's a few good films around. But basically, as a 17-year-old, fairly arrogant and cocky lad, he had some God-given dreams. Dreams where he saw his family bow down to him. And rather than being wise, as most of us at that age would do, let me share it with you. You're going to bow down to me. And his family were very jealous, especially his brothers, especially at the way that his dad treated Joseph. And out of that jealousy, they conspired to kill him. And they stopped just short of it. They threw him into a pit. They were just going to leave him to rot. But just at that moment, some slave traders came by. And so rather than kill him, they sold him to slavery. Just think about that. Just think how awful not awful, that's just not even good enough, is it? It's just terrible. And he's sold into Egypt and becomes the household servant of the captain of Pharaoh. He's the captain of the bodyguard of Pharaoh, Potiphar. And in that place, God's with him. Let me just say this. It doesn't matter what the circumstances of your life are. God is greater. Right in the midst of it, God's there. It says God was with him. He gets raised up. He's suddenly in charge of Potiphar's household. And being a handsome dude, good looking, and clearly Mr. Potiphar not keeping an eye on Mrs. Potiphar. Mrs. Potiphar notices this good looking dude and says, I wouldn't mind a piece of that. And Joseph, being the man of integrity that he is, a man of God that he is, refuses her advances, come to bed with me. She's not subtle. But Joseph resists. Joseph stands firm. He does everything that God asks of him. And in the end, the lady fabricates something against him, accuses him of rape, fabricates the fact that he tried to rape her. And again, he's falsely thrown into prison. Everything taken away from him again. Trouble after trouble after trouble. In prison, God's with him again. Hallelujah. He's lifted up. And he gets to look after the whole prison under the, the chief jailer. Whilst he's there, Two exalted guests get thrown into prison. Just be reminded that no matter how high you are, you can always fall. These two, the butler and the baker, find themselves in prison. And they have dreams. They both upset Pharaoh. And the dreams basically show what their destiny will be. The one is going to get killed. The other is going to be restored. Joseph tells them. And the butler who's restored, when he says to the butler, he says, remember me. Guess what the butler does? Totally forgets him. Ah, oh, still more tragedy. But in the midst of that, God is with him. Now, 
we could talk more and more and more and more. Joseph had enough grievance there to actually say, I give up. I am never going to trust anybody ever again. I am never going to forgive. I am going to get my own back. I am determined that I will have my revenge. I wonder if you ever thought that way. Joseph didn't go that route. He learned to do something that is one of the most important lessons for all of us to learn. He moved on from his past by forgiving those who had hurt and sinned against him. And he didn't just offer token forgiveness. He gave them total forgiveness. And you know what? That's the only kind of forgiveness that is worth having. Partial forgiveness or token forgiveness, as I've called it, it's, it's just words and maybe actions with no heart change. Do you know that's the kind of forgiveness that so many of us deal with? We can say on the outside, I forgive you. But deep in here, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And in fact, the way we deal with it is, well, I forgive you, but then my intention is never to have anything to do with you again. And actually, you, you just avoid people, but you haven't really changed. You've said it on the outside, but you haven't changed on the inside. Actually, Joseph's heart was totally changed, and it came from the inside out, the way that he embraced his brothers, the way that he forgave his brothers. That is only possible when we know God. Yeah. Only possible when we know Jesus. You know, Jesus wasn't known to Joseph in the way that we know Jesus, but there was something almost of a forerunning of what Jesus would do that was written on Joseph's heart. He was almost anticipating the power of the cross in its ability. What Jesus did, what we're going to celebrate in a minute, what Jesus did in being able to set captives free from every abuse every sinful, hurtful, shameful, wicked thing that ever happens. Hallelujah. What a saviour. And we are a community that lives in the goodness of this. So what do we learn from looking at Joseph's example? Well, very quickly, we're going to go through a number of things. and Then we're going to have some space just to let the Holy Spirit help us respond the first thing I want to say is this. We learn that forgiveness is essential to becoming like Jesus. You know, we talk a lot about, as Christians, I want to be like Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Do you really want to be like Jesus? Because this is what Jesus is like. This is what Jesus did, that when he's nailed to a cross, when they're spouting forth the most obscene obscenities, abusing him, spitting on him, he's nailed to a cross. And what pours out of his pierced heart is a crimson tide of forgiveness 
and love. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That's Jesus. That is Jesus. That is the Jesus that we're called to be like. And I can guarantee that this week, each one of us will be called upon to be like Jesus in that way. You will need to forgive somebody this week. And guess what? You will need to be forgiven this week. And you'll be very grateful, therefore, that Jesus provides this way. I'm very grateful. Joseph became a great man in the purposes of God because he forgave his brothers from the heart. And he did it because he saw beyond the circumstances. Now, this is the big one. He saw beyond the initial pain, all the the stuff that happens. We all know pain. We all know how it feels. We've all been let down. We've all had things that go wrong. We know how it feels. But this is what Joseph did. He looked beyond that to the God who is bigger. And maybe your prayer, some of you this morning, is that God would open your eyes to see what is bigger. It's only as you open your eyes to see God in the midst that you can begin to break out of where you are right now. And that's what Joseph did. All the way through that passage, we we, we read things like, God sent me, God has made me, but God, all the way through, he's seeing God in the midst of this. And I want you to know, church, this is so important for us. We are the family of God and we are the family of God because God is here in the midst of us and he's bigger than anything that you're going through. Okay? This is so, so powerful for us to get hold of. And God is like this. He's a forgiving God. He's a powerful God that can change even the worst evil. And even, and I don't know how he does this, but he's... Amazing. Turn it around and even use it so that his goodness and his mercy and his blessing can flow through it, just as he did with the life of Joseph. And I just feel some of you need to get hold of this again, that in all things, God is able to work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's not just a verse that we put on our fridges. It's not just a verse that we trip off the tongue. It is the truth of Scripture. Yes, amen. And if you will accept it, it can change everything for you. It changed everything for Joseph. Forgiveness is essential to becoming like Jesus. Secondly, forgiveness breaks the cycle of sin and evil. You know, we see it all the time. Somebody does something to somebody else. They retaliate and do something back to them. They get even more upset 
and they do something back to them. And then their mates get involved because they don't like the way that that person's been treated. And suddenly, this group want to get back at that person. That person gets his mates. And then suddenly, you've got this group that's against that group. And so it goes on. There needs to be something that will say, stop, enough is enough. It stops at this point. How does that happen? It happens when one person can stand up and say, no more. I forgive. I let go. I take my hands off. I now say enough is enough. Actually, the word forgiveness literally means to hurl away, to release, to let go of. And that means that when we do that, we can face those who have hurt us, not with clenched fists, but with open hands. (coughs) That's exactly what Joseph did with his brothers. Those brothers who had thrown him in a pit, despised him, didn't care really what happened to him. He didn't come with fists, he came with open hands and he chose to forgive. And you need to understand that forgiveness doesn't settle questions of blame (coughs) or even fairness. It is the start of the process of healing and freedom. Actually, what it does is it leaves justice firstly in God's hands. And I am so glad that it is my God who is the judge. Our God who is the judge. The God of all the earth who is the judge. Not me. Because I know if it was left to me, you'd be in trouble. So would I. And it would be the same if you were the judge. You see, what we're saying is we're not going to go for payback or revenge. Forgiving another allows relationships to start again. And for that to happen properly, then forgiveness has to be unconditional. Sometimes we want it to be with terms and conditions. We want the lawyers involved. I'll forgive you this much. But here's the terms and conditions. Or I'll only forgive you as long as you promise never to do that again and show you are really sorry. I'll only forgive you, but I never want to see you again. I'll forgive you, but I'll never stop reminding you of what you did to me. So I forgive you, but don't worry, I'll keep letting you know exactly what you did. That's not forgiveness. That's not forgiveness. The forgiveness of Jesus is unconditional. Yes, the things that we get to do, but the things we get to release first of all 
is take our hands off all the offence that we have. Forgiveness of Jesus is greater than any evil. Gosh. Thirdly, forgiveness actually releases the one who forgives. We know this, don't we? Joseph, forgiving his brothers, released years of anguish. I, I love the fact that when he forgave his brothers, he wept so loudly it was heard all the way up to Pharaoh's household. That was years of anguish being released. If we don't forgive, it leaves the door for us personally to be ruined by bitterness and resentment. Holding on to such things actually destroys us. When we refuse to forgive another, it's not the person that's hurt us that often is hurt by that. It's us. We all know the illustration. It's like us drinking a cup of poison and expecting the other person to drop dead. It doesn't work like that. I came across this quote by a guy called Frederick Boitner, who's a, an American author. And he said this, Of the seven deadly sins... Anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come, to savour the last toothsome morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that when you are wolf, the chief, sorry, the chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. Maybe I didn't do justice to that, but that's a powerful picture. Actually, as we forgive, we get healed. As we forgive, the healing starts. As we take our hands off, it begins to restore. And fourthly, forgiveness also then begins to release those who have sinned against us. Now, there's different ways that that works out. Joseph, through his forgiveness, actually releases his brothers. He's kind to them. He works hard at stopping them from feeling bad. Did you notice that? Stops them about feeling bad about what they did. He embraces them and they are released. And it's just a little phrase, but it says so much. It says, afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Wow, the relationship is restored. What amazing grace. Now, it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes the people that have sinned against us, it doesn't change in one little bit. But the truth is, it gives opportunity for even them to be changed. Now, I know at this point, some people start having major problems. Because forgiving someone who has hurt me is one thing. But that person being released from guilt and pain as a result of what they've done to me, well, that's another thing. Because actually, you want to forgive them, but you really still want them to suffer. I've been there. But actually, Jesus said this, I tell you who hear me, 
Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. Wow. I know they're powerful words, dangerous words, but they are incredibly life-changing words. And that's what Jesus asked us to do. I, it's provoked again uh, me to think a little bit about what used to happen in Northern Ireland when uh, the journalist Lyra McKee was murdered just a few weeks ago. And um, I was reminded of what was rather understatedly called the Troubles. <laughs> the Troubles. The Troubles. Thousands lost their lives, actually, over the years. But the story that has always been powerful in my mind, because it happened, actually, in the year that Ginny and myself got married, and we were reminded of this this week, is of, of a guy called Gordon Wilson and his daughter, Marie. And on November the 8th, in 1987, they were attending a remembrance service at Inverskellen, and the provisional IRA had set a bomb and it exploded, and there were many, many people who were killed, including Gordon Wilson and Joan Wilson's daughter, Marie. Um, Gordon's Christian. They were both caught, he and his daughter, in the rubble. In fact, they were buried under five foot of rubble. And he held his daughter's hand as she said to, said to him, Daddy, I love you. And that was the last words that she said to him before she died. And um, Gordon Wilson was rescued out of the rubble. And um, whilst he was in his hospital bed, literally recovering from this, he said this, he said, I've lost my daughter, but I bear no grudge. Bitter talk is not going to bring Mary Wilson back to life. I shall pray tonight and every night that God will forgive them. thing about that is that Gordon Wilson for the rest of his life worked for reconciliation and peace until his death in 1995. What a man. He was determined even in that place that forgiveness would win. So how do we forgive? Well, the first thing we have to do is that we have to come to the cross. We have to come to Jesus. Ultimately, forgiveness is found nowhere else. Every other form of forgiveness that you find in this world actually comes all the way back to Jesus, ultimately, because it's only in him do we find the true forgiveness that can set us free. And some of you need to know that forgiveness right at the beginning of your journey. Maybe there are some of you here today that wouldn't actually call yourself a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're, you're looking in, you've got an eye in on what's going on. Actually, to give forgiveness, you need to have received forgiveness. Because you can't give what you don't have. And actually, there are some of you here who need to start that journey of knowing the forgiveness of Jesus. And even this morning, you can do that. And I want to encourage you right now, whoever you are, to know that Jesus Christ, he did bleed on a cross for you so that you can be forgiven. And maybe some of you this morning are so riddled with things that are in your life. Maybe there are things that have happened, not just to you, but you know what you have been part of. 
You need to know the forgiveness of Jesus this morning. And this is the community of forgiveness. This is the place where Jesus is Lord. This is the place where we declare that nothing is too difficult for him to forgive and restore. Your past can be forgiven. You can begin a brand new life, even today, because of the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. So come to the cross, come to Jesus, come and say, I need your forgiveness and help me to forgive. That's why number one on our revival culture list is deal with any unconfessed sin and forgive any grievance you have against another. Why can we say that? Because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You need to understand this. Nothing that anyone has ever done towards you or me is as offensive as what you have done towards God in ignoring him, rebelling against his ways and refusing him admittance into your life. That sounds really hard, but you need to understand just as there are no little sins There is no small God. He's a big God and our sins are not small. I've only got little sins. Sin is an offence to God. We need forgiveness. All of us. That's where it starts. Second thing you need to understand is that forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. It's an act of will. We must choose Not to take offence, a deliberate decision that is made possible by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Jesus does. And therefore he frees you to be able to release forgiveness towards others. Is it easy? (sighs) No. From experience, not usually, but it's possible. And it requires you sometimes to daily come and bring that forgiveness and say, I forgive, I choose to forgive. I choose to not allow this offence, this thing that's happened to me, ruin this relationship with you, with others. I choose now to forgive every day. You do that. One of the most powerful stories that I've ever been told is a story told by Corrie ten Boom, the um, Dutch lady who was imprisoned in concentration camps during the Second World War. And she struggled, actually, to forgive somebody who had really treated her badly as a result of what had happened in the camps. And she went to see a Lutheran pastor, and he said, look, imagine this. Imagine a big bell with a big rope on the end of it. And every time you ring the bell by pulling on the rope, the bell rings. And if you can imagine that every time you choose to not forgive somebody, it's like you put your hand on the bell and you pull the bell and it rings. But when you choose to forgive somebody, what you do is that you take your hand off the bell rope. And he said, at that moment... 
after the bell's been ringing for so long, if you just suddenly take your hand off the bell rope, does it stop ringing? No, it doesn't. But he said, if you keep your hand off the bell rope, then sooner or later, that bell will stop ringing. And that is what happens ultimately as we forgive others. We keep our hands off the bell rope and we allow the healing of Jesus to come in. And I believe that some of you need to hear that message today because it's sometimes very tasty, isn't it, to chew over the things that have happened to us. We have to take our hands off the bell rope. Thirdly, learn to keep short accounts. Sometimes it's not the big things. Sometimes it's the small things, isn't it? Little things that happen day by day that cause us problems. You'll know whether you're out of sorts with somebody. Sometimes it's things like you sometimes struggle to be in the same room with them. They walk in and you think, oh no. You meet them in the supermarket and you think, I'm going down that aisle. Little words and phrases that people use and you kind of feel your whole inner being going, Have you been there? Maybe you feel anger or strong emotions when you're in their company. If you're in that place, you just need to deal with some stuff. And I want to encourage you that even now, you can just say, Jesus, I, I, I just want this stuff out of me. Change my heart towards that person. Let me be free. Let me tell you a very personal thing that happened to me just a few, few weeks ago. Um, I bumped into somebody in a supermarket, someone that used to be part of this church. And when I saw them, something went off in me and I thought, do you know what? I've got to deal with that. And so there and then I just said, Lord Jesus, please will you help me right now to go and receive that person. And so I went out of my way, greeted them. And you know what? I was so grateful that I'd done that because the grace of God just rushed in. I had the most amazing conversation with them and it was just brilliant to see what God had been doing with them, how they were flourishing and how actually it had been one of the best things that they'd done. Hallelujah. But you know what? I could have gone the other way and said, oh, I don't want to deal with them. There are things that we need to do that restore relationships. And I want to encourage you, even now, to go and get that right. Don't settle for anything less than full forgiveness. Okay, church, we've done enough. Let's stand up. Just want to give us a moment as we come to break bread together. We've already had moments already to, I trust, do business with the Lord and, and ask for anything that needs to be put right to be put right. But I want to give a moment right now for people who know that this is something that is still deep in their heart. I want to give you right now opportunity to meet with Jesus. He loves you. There's not an ounce of condemnation in his heart for you. But there is an overflowing river 
of compassion and love for you right now. And he's bringing you to a place where he says, come on, I've, I've, I've literally poured out my life for you so that you can pour away now all that hurt and all that pain. And I want to give you moments, just, just bring it out. Come on, just let the Lord Jesus have it right now. Come to the cross. And maybe there's people that have just come into mind right now, people who've, who've hurt you, who've let you down. Maybe for some of you, it's not so much that way, it's the fact that I've let them down. I've been the one, I've been the one that fouled up, I did this. And maybe you're struggling even to forgive yourself. And right now Jesus says, look, I bring grace and healing to forgive you. Just accept it right now. Just come and say, I'm sorry. I am sorry for holding on to this. Lord, get it out of me. Get it out of my heart right now. Jesus, I forgive. Maybe there's some people that are just coming to mind right now. Holy Spirit, will you just do that? Will you just bring to mind people who you just need to forgive? Do it, Lord, please. We, we want to be whole. Actually, we want them to be whole too. In Jesus' name right now, just release your grace. Release your forgiveness, Lord Jesus. Just release it in abundance. Release it over us. We're going to break bread. How timely that we get to remind ourselves of the cost of forgiveness. The Son of God, the perfect Son of God, who'd done no wrong, his body was broken, that we might be forgiven. And I just want to invite you right now, if, if you know of somebody that you've got to put right something, I want to encourage you to make sure you go and do that. If it's someone here today, maybe you need to go and do that, maybe after this meeting. Maybe there's somebody that's not here today. But what I want to suggest that you do is this, that in your heart now you resolve that I'm going to put that right. Before the Lord, you say, Lord Jesus, give me grace right now to go and take that first step. And then you're saying, Lord, I'm wanting to put that right. Come and receive grace. Come and receive what the Lord has done. Come and receive the cleansing power of Jesus. The cleansing power of his blood to make you able to set you free. And then we're going to be a kingdom people and release that forgiveness wherever we go. I'm going to invite you right now. You're going to have to be quick because time's running out. Let's come and take bread, take wine. Let's come and receive the forgiveness of Jesus. Let's come, come powerfully, come humbly, come wherever you are and come and receive this forgiveness of Jesus. We've got gluten-free.